Bowl season is here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Don't be that guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends sit around watching the game. No, not this year. Not when there are a record 41 bowl games to bet on, including the national championship on Jan 7. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. Make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at my bookie today. They pay fast when you win, ownership cares about good customer service, and they offer the craziest props. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make money during the bowl season, you got to go to my bookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out yourself. Join now, and my bookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have the nice bankroll for the bowl season. Use promo code ZABE when you deposit and activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. At my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Today on the ZabeCast, twas the night before Christmas and all through the league, playoff scenarios held lots of intrigue. The Steelers are set to get a lump of coal. The Browns can play spoiler. Kirk under pressure, and Aaron Rodgers can keep racking up leadership points. Your essential sports talk day starter is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. Oh, here we go. Monday, December 24th, 2018. Yes, I am here. I am live. And the stockings are all hung by the chimney with care. Oh, what an exciting day. Even as a 50-year-old man, even with my own daughters now well past the age of wonder when it comes to Christmas, God darn it, there is something special in the air on Christmas Eve. And of course... I've got Christmas shopping still to do. I love, love leaving it to the last minute. In fact, as you are listening to this podcast on Monday morning, I will be at the mall. Oh, yeah. I will be at the mall. In fact, I already texted my man, Ronnie Mervis. I said, Ronnie, I'm coming into the store in Tyson's for a little boom dee boom 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 as you like to say, for Mrs. C. In part because, yes, it looks like I'm going to win our Listener Fantasy League. Now, before you say, boo, nobody cares about your fantasy team. You're right, nobody does. Although in this case, you kind of care about my fantasy team, just in an oblique sort of a way. I am up 60, 58, something like that, on Mr. X. uh, With him having, uh, he's got tomorrow night, he's got uh, Philip Lindsay. I have Chris Carson tonight. Well, I could just check the app right now as I sit here watching the uh, the Saints or watching the Chiefs and the Niners. Excuse me, Chiefs and the Seahawks. There we go. Do battle. Um, either way, it looks like there will be a parade in Deadwood for the Cork Soakers, starting at Cy Tolliver's Bella Union Casino, marching right down the Thorough Muddy Fair, taking a hard left and stopping at the Gem Saloon right underneath Al Swearingen's porch, where he would stand, sip his coffee, smell the horse shit of the morning, and look out at all of the people at Deadwood thinking, whose throat am I going to slit today? I think I've got it in the bag. I don't want to get cocky here, but I am up 164 to 91. Chris Carson has nine for me tonight. Look, I had told my wife, I, I was getting her into it because she's you know not a big sports fan and certainly not into fantasy. I said, honey, we're driving home last night, uh, or tonight actually, driving home from Philly, from the in-laws, and I've got the NFL app going so I could watch the end of the Steelers and the Saints game. And I say to her, hey, honey, root for number 84. He's on our team. We could win our fantasy league, which means a bigger piece of boom bidi boom 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 from Ronnie Mervis uh, as a thank you. Oh, did you guys see, and I think I retweeted this, Adam Schefter said today in a tweet, for uh, for all of you who uh, might win your fantasy leagues today, just remember you may want to consider giving a portion of it to the charity of one of your favorite players. <laughs> I quickly read the responses and I started pissing my pants. It was the most enjoyment I had all weekend long. And I love all the different 
gifs that people would figure out, they would come up with and find of guys going, mm, no, not going to happen. And all the responses like, yeah, how about these millionaire athletes just keep donating to the charities they donate to, and I'm going to keep my lousy 400 bucks or whatever it is. But it was just peak Schefter to say, hey, uh, don't forget, guys, if you win, you may want to donate to the charity of your favorite player's choice. Now, fuck that. I have lost in fantasy too many years. When I finally win, I ain't giving shit back. So that said, here we are. Yes, I'm on the verge of a fantasy championship, but my real team, the Redskins, have been eliminated from postseason contention. Had they hung on to win on Saturday night against the Titans, it would have led to a juicy Sunday at FedEx Field. Oh, what could have been. Twould have been at least a three-way scrum between us, the Eagles, and the Vikings, with Kirk in the mix. And it would have been possibly the Redskins against Nate Sudfeld. Now, it's way too early to tell what the deal is because Nick Foles got really walloped good on a on a hit by Jadavion Clowney, which was ruled roughing the passer. Bullshit. This is the league now. This is the league that we have to tolerate for the entertainment value that it still does provide. And when people say, oh, I'm not watching anymore, well, then you didn't see the th- incredible Saints-Steelers game, which went back and forth right down to the wire. And when you say, but the bullshit penalties in the Saints game, I can't take it anymore. Okay, what are you going to do on a Sunday? Literally imagine yourself not watching that game. What are you watching? This is the shit we have to put up. We have to put up with the roughing the passer calls that we hate. We have to put up with the refereeing and the ticky-tack holding and or pass interference calls. We put up with it because we are like an abused spouse. We can't leave. We're never going to leave. Hold on, I've been, what's that? Insensitive? What do you mean? Fine. I apologize for using the analogy of being an abused spouse. I should be more aware and more sensitive to the issue as it pertains to NFL players. Thank you, I pledge not to repeat this in the future. We are addicted to the NFL. How about that? We have an addiction. Like, we are so addicted that it's almost like we should take a break for our mental health to get away. Oh, hold on. What? That I can't say that either? Oh, come on, man. I do want to talk about the Josh Gordon mental health back and forth debate and those caping up on behalf of those with genuine mental health issues. But I digress. So we put up with this stuff because the league is still this good. It's still this compelling. And it is still this unpredictable. And there are just a lot of different ways to skin a cat when it comes to winning a damn game. Look, I underestimated the Ravens. Full mea culpa. I said the Lamar Jackson show is going to come to a crashing halt. Not only did it not come to a crashing halt, man, he threw some seeds. In addition to being quicksilver, quick lightning, impossible to catch like a chicken running in a courtyard. The pass that he threw to the tight end, I forget his name, just perfect touch, in stride, totally calm. He's got something. I, the more I see him play, the more I'm going to have to start going back through my mental memory banks of RG3 to see w- how much similarity is there and how much difference is there. Because he could be a deluxified version of RG3. He could be RG3 without the delusional ego that was his own undoing. He could be better at reading and throwing within the pocket than RG3. He may not be Peyton Manning right now or um, you know, Andrew Luck or any other Tom Brady or someone like that, but if he's better by a couple clicks than RG3 with all that athleticism and without the delusion and the meddling dad, that could be a potent player is all I'm saying. But the Ravens' defense was relentless. So my point is the NFL product is such that it's there's so many different ways to win, and you just don't know how things are going to turn out. And from season to season, week to week, you don't know what you're going to get, and that's why we tune in. But back to the Eagles. So 
Had the Redskins won that game against the Titans, uh, they 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 could possibly in the mix be in the mix for a three-way. Who's going to get in at nine and seven? And they could be playing Nate Sudfeld, depending on the injury status of Nick Foles, which is way too early because it's only Sunday. I would I would guess that he's going to play. Did he have the wind knocked out of him? Did he break a rib? I don't know. I don't know. But Foles, or I mean uh, Sudfeld, did come in for one pass. Instead, the Redskins are going to be playing spoiler at that on Sunday. That's because they lost to the Titans in just a heartbreaking game. A lot of times the Redskins will lose games and you don't come away going, God, that was heartbreaking. Because for for a loss to be heartbreaking, it means your heart has to be into it. And it means that your heart has to be pure of faith and joy in this team, which is not always easy. What's the Friday Night Lights saying? Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. A lot of times as a Redskin fan, you, you, you come away from a stupid loss and you go, you fucking idiots. What is the matter with you? You suck. This was a true heartbreaker because they played so damn well. And it was heartbreaking because the, you know, the pass that basically ended it, and I had a good feeling about that drive. I tweeted as such. I said, I, either it's, I got a good feeling about this drive, down three, with time to go, and Josh Johnson at the helm. I said, it's either that or the eggnog. Next thing you know, he gets blitzed, throws a pick. Josh Doxson doesn't run the right route, allegedly. And I'm like, yeah, it was the eggnog. Never mind. Don't have a good feeling now. I just have a sick feeling in my stomach. And of course, it was compounded by Jay blowing a timeout. On third and five on offense in the third quarter where a timeout is not worth it. Yes, they ended up getting a first down on that particular play. Only after, by the way, the Titans blew one of their own timeouts. Mike Vrabel said, oh, yeah, you're wasting timeouts, I see. <laughs> Watch this. We'll waste one of our own. They get it, They pick up the first down, but they were already, I believe, in field goal range, and they didn't get another first down after that, so they had to settle for a field goal. So the net net of that timeout was it didn't help you, as it turned out. Could have, but it didn't. In the end, though, when they had the tight, when they, when they it committed the turnover, that would have otherwise ended the game. If they had three timeouts, they would have gotten the ball back with about a minute to go and only about 60 yards to go to get into field goal range. They didn't have three, they had two. And because they only had two, they ended up getting the ball back with just change, just spare nickels on the clock, like 15 seconds. And, of course, Josh Johnson threw another pick that got returned for a touchdown, which completely fucked every underbetter in the NFL. Oh, man. That's why betting the under, which is smart, because unders hit about 50% of the time, betting the under is a grind, because it ain't over until it's over. And when you bet the over, when it is over, it's over. Pour yourself a cold one, you're good to go. Heartbreaking loss. It was Adrian Peterson's absolute masterpiece at 33 years old. And I know what you're going to say. What about the pumpkin bet, the pumpkin bet, the pumpkin bet? He's not going to hit the pumpkin bet. He is going to, I think he's got four games now over 100. I said it was six and I would eat a pumpkin. He's got one game to go. He could come very close. I'm thinking as maybe a make good because I was wrong in essence about the durability of and the vibrancy of Adrian Peterson at his age, because I was wrong about the overall shape of what he was going to be for us this year, I feel like something with a pumpkin is in order. I'm not going to eat the whole one raw. That was my bet, and I'm not going to do it. I would have severe vomiting and stomach cramps. I might die. I bet the stem would get caught in my... Okay, let's not think about it. Maybe a pumpkin pie to the face? I'm Ron Burgundy. Eat a whole pumpkin pie. Some would say, well, that's no punishment. That's delicious. I don't particularly like pumpkin pie, but I could stomach it. I don't really want to eat a whole pie. Small one. Maybe get Adrian to come into the studio and smash a pie in my face. Ooh, ooh, that could be interesting. Now the dilemma is going to be, what about next year? And I have thoughts about that, but let's leave that to next year. Let me talk about the essence of of the Redskins as I see them right now. Jay Gruden, while getting choked up after the game, 
talking about you know how well Josh Johnson had played and how well the team had played and it just wasn't enough, didn't quite make enough plays. He actually got a little bit choked up. You could hear it, which is very un-Jay Gruden-like. But he said, and this was telling, and I think this was spot on, he said, well, at 7 and 8, yep, uh, no, that's Spurrier, let's see. Yep, uh, 7 and 8, uh, 5 or 6 losses, uh, no, I, I can't do it. I, I, I can't get the right pitch. But he basically said, it's not good enough. Seven and eight, five out of six losses to get to seven and eight, when had they won one of those games along the way, they'd be playing for the playoffs, essentially, with some tiebreakers mixed in, but it's just not good enough. Let me take a break, and on the other side, I'll tell you what I think about that phrase, not good enough, because it's the most important phrase that this team, this organization, needs to remember going into the winter. Bowl season is here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Don't be that guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends sit around watching the game. No, not this year. Not when there are a record 41 bowl games to bet on, including the national championship on Jan 7. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. Make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at my bookie today. They pay fast when you win, ownership cares about good customer service, and they offer the craziest props. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make money during the bowl season, you got to go to my bookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out yourself. Join now, and my bookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have the nice bankroll for the bowl season. Use promo code ZABE when you deposit and activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. At my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. So let's talk about not good enough as Jay Gruden alluded to in the loss. What is not good enough with this team and with the organization? The answer is just about everything is not good enough. You can talk about injuries, and obviously the Redskins have put a ton of guys, 20-plus guys on it this year. I think it leads the league. But then again, there's a lot of other teams, there's a lot of other players, a lot of other teams that have within one or two or three players of what the Redskins have put on injured reserve. And one of those teams is the Colts I saw. They're going to the playoffs, maybe, or at least they're having a much better season. Either way, it doesn't matter. The Redskins don't have enough good players. And they don't have hardly any great players. And the only way to realize this, and the only way to come to grips with this, is you've got to look outside our bubble. You've got to look around the league. We all watch the rest of the league. You look at the other players on other teams, the one, two, or three, or if you're lucky, four guys on other good teams where every other team in the league would say, holy shit, I want that guy. We don't have four guys that every other team would be drooling over. We have four guys that they'd say, yeah, I would like that guy. He's good. But not like, oh my God, this dude will change games by himself. So we don't have enough good players. Bruce and Doug are certainly not good enough as executives. No offense to either man. Bruce has had a much longer track record of failure here, so I guess I should back that out. If he wants to take offense, that's fine. He should be fired by any metric. By any, If his name was Bruce Alnikowski, he'd be gone if he wasn't Bruce Allen. So that's number one. Doug, at least he was the one that said, hey, we ought to sign Adrian Peterson. That's a big get right there. The truth of the matter is Doug Williams is not being sought after as a personnel man by any other team in the league. Bruce uh, Doug, Doug Williams is a another nostalgia play by Danny to help sort of swaddle himself in the past glory of the franchise because there is no current glory. There's no hope for future glory. And there's 20 years now of salted earth behind him. So he's got to do whatever he can. Doug Williams is not being sought after by any other team. Therefore, he's not good enough. Jay is not good enough as a head coach. He's good. He's okay. 
he lacks a lot of things, notably an edge, which I really want our next coach to have. He doesn't have to be an asshole. He does not have to be a tyrant. He doesn't have to be a dictator. But he has to have an edge to him, an edge that sets a tone within the building that's like, steer clear a coach today. You want no part of him. Alex Smith, even before his injury, he was not good enough. The running backs, minus Adrian Peterson's miracle bonus last chance season that he had, are not good enough. I mean, maybe Geis will be. We'll see. But I'm talking about P. Ryan and Fat Rob and even Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson's a nice back, but, I mean, he's hurt a lot. He's in the shop a lot. And he is a pretty one-dimensional guy. He's a third-down pass-catching back. He's a screen back. He's a draw back. And that's that's good. It's not great, though. The wide receivers are an absolute sinkhole. More on them in just a second. Josh Norman's not good enough, and he's very expensive. We'll talk about him in a second. DJ Swearinger, and we'll get more into his comments about Greg Minuski in a second as well. Very few jerseys being sold outside the DMV of any of our players on offense or defense. So we got a decision looming. Were we unlucky this year with the twin leg breaks of our quarterbacks with all the other guys put on injured reserve with the close losses and the bad calls the way I keep sending these into the league and they send us a letter woe is us again do you think other teams have had bad calls this year go against them oh they have trust me on that so the decision is were we unlucky and should we re-rack it again and hope we get lucky and hope we stay healthy or are we just not good enough I hope and I pray that the organization says we're not good enough. But the problem is the two guys that have to decide are we good enough are Bruce and Doug, and they themselves are in that category. Let's see. This year they got handled, the Redskins, by the Colts, the Falcons, the Saints, Dallas, and Philadelphia. Solidly handled. Blown out, in fact, in those games. They also got handled by the Texans, although that was a pretty close game. They got lucky wins against Tampa where they gave up 500 yards of offense. A lucky win against Jacksonville. They had a great effort lost this week against Tennessee, and they had four solid wins. Green Bay, Dallas, New York, Carolina. Solid wins. Oh, and they had a layup against Arizona. That's a fifth win. Um, the games against Dallas and Carolina, even though they were solid wins, both teams had the ball in scoring position with a chance to either tie or win, and the Redskins held them off. Now, that's a good gut-check win, but those are not dominant outings. So you got blown out or handled five times. You got a couple of lucky wins. You had a heartbreak loss. You had a couple. You had four solid wins and a layup against a truly awful team that will be drafting first probably in Arizona. It's not good enough. That's, that says your team isn't good enough. Forget, oh, well, if we just had Sheriff back. Well, if we just had Geis for the whole year. If, 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 if. You don't have enough good players. Furthermore, I contend this team made a huge mistake at backup quarterback. I am not in the cult of cult. I think he is the nicest guy ever. Square-jawed, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir. Uh, Texas boy, blue eyes, born to play quarterback just not on Sundays. Injury prone and not that good once you see him for two or three starts. But man, Jay loves Colt. He loves him like a son. It's an unhealthy love. And I hate it. I think it's setting this team back. They should have never gone into the season with Colt as their backup. And then they made a problem. They made a terrible call on the backup to the backup by going with, you know, Mark Sanchez. And yes, they finally found a guy in Josh Johnson who could run around and escape some guys and has a decent arm. But the one guy who would have been a deluxe version, and I convinced, I'm convinced would be would have been way better than even Josh Johnson, Colin Kaepernick deemed too radioactive. And that's a whole different argument. Then there was the series of embarrassments this year. Norman's headphones being slapped off his head by Jay at halftime of the Saints blowout. Then DJ and Norman calling out the fans after the win in Tampa saying, man, you guys suck. You don't show up to games. We hate playing at home. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially the message. Swearinger ripped practice efforts again multiple times this year. They got 
killed by the Giants. They were trailing 40 to nothing at home at one point. Mason Foster had some Instagram messages leaked out that said, fuck this team, fuck this fan base. No discipline. Monte got in a fist fight at Loudon 1 at 2 a.m., which you place you literally cannot get in trouble in. He found a way to get in trouble. Was parked on the NFI list. I guess that's some discipline. And then after this game, Swearinger ripped Minuski for saying you should have played zone instead of man. And claiming, Swearinger, that he watches more tape than coaches. Oh, okay. On top of all that, you had the Reuben Foster signing, which was a PR hit, not necessarily a football hit. Of course, it then led to the, hey, the, the all the Bama guys said we should do it, and several Bama guys were quick to go, I didn't talk to anybody about signing this guy. Then Doug Williams went out and unfortunately embarrassed himself and had to apologize. That's all PR, though. I'm, so I'm going to put that to the side. Football-wise, the biggest blunder was the trade for HaHa Clinton Dix. And not just the trade for HaHa Clinton Dix, but the trade for him and then keeping him out there on the field as he literally made zero impact plays since coming here. And not only did he make no impact plays, he had probably the the game-losing play against the Titans when he let an easy interception, a bunny, a lollipop of a pick go right through his hands. Overall, it's not a good year. The team is not good. The players are not good. The people in the offices are not good enough. It's just going nowhere. And it's a it's a boat that's going nowhere that is now delayed as they're going to sit on the dock waiting for Alex Smith to get healthy, most likely. They probably have to from a salary cap, salary cap standpoint. But if I know this organization, they're not going to do much deck chair rearranging this winter. I think Minuski may go, although that's a terrible message to send, to actually fire a coach when a player says, I don't like this guy, because then it really lends the image of, oh, yeah, the inmates are running the asylum. What's that? I can't call players inmates. No. It's racist? Oh, okay. Sorry. I I don't mean it that way. Um, It means that the uh, players are running the team, which players should not be running the team. Players should play owner's own, coach's coach, and GM's GM. There'll be an assistant coach that is let go. But I believe the big two of Doug and Bruce will stay in place. I believe Jay is going to stay. And by the way, I'd endorse that because you're not going to attract anybody decent to come hop into this hot mess right now. There's no way. There's no good coach that would say, oh, I got no quarterback here and we're going to sit around and wait for Alex Smith to decide if he wants to still play football, if his leg is okay. No thanks. Oh, and I, I don't have my own GM that's hiring me. It's somebody else. No way. So I would recommend this. If it was me, I would say, honestly, behind closed doors, guys, we're, we're, we're not good enough. Now, if it was my team, of course, I would blow out Bruce and Doug, but I'm assuming they're not going anywhere. So assuming Bruce and Doug are not going anywhere, I hope the team and I hope Bruce and Doug say, along with Dan, you know what? We're not good enough. So therefore, we're going to keep Jay, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep Jay, and we're going to start getting rid of all the guys who are just not good enough. I would get rid of Colt, Rob Kelly. I would get rid of um, Pirine. I would trade Josh Doxson. I think he's got some value, and this is where I want to talk about Doxson. Doxson is emblematic in a lot of ways of this franchise's delusion and stubbornness. Josh Doxson is the poster boy for not good enough. Some would say he sucks. I won't quite go that far. He's on pace for 45 catches this year. Hey, how about that? And if he scores a touchdown, that'll give him three for the year. He had six touchdowns last year, but only 35 catches. Did play all 16 games. He's on pace to play all 16 games this year, uh, even after having a pretty bad heel injury that required a special shoe. He played just two games as a rookie. A lot of people are saying, we got to wait. Why would you get rid of him now? You're coming up on his fourth year of his rookie deal. You don't have to give him that fifth-year option just yet. But why would you get rid of him now? I say trade him because two things. One, he's not good enough. He's never going to be good enough. I think Josh Doxson is a guy, 
He's a kid who likes playing football, and he's pretty good at it. Good enough to be in the NFL, pretty good. And he likes the lifestyle, he likes the status, he likes the money, but he doesn't love it. And he's not good enough. And that play, whether he didn't break the route to the outside like Jay said he should have, or if he didn't keep running through the seam to open up to Josh Johnson and go up and just grab that pass and to have the Michael Irvin fire of, give it a ball, then, you know, either way, it's just he's not good enough. And he's emblematic of, we got to, he's going to come along. He No, he's a dry hole. Compare him to any other impact wide receiver taken even below him in the first round. Whether it's DeAndre Hopkins or Michael Thomas or pick anyone that is a comparable guy, there's nobody as vanilla, as blah, as three catches a game and a couple of touchdowns a year over 16 games as Josh Doxson. He's got to go. Colt has to go because of the cult of Colt. He's never going to be healthy for any extended period of time, and he's not that good when you have to play him for more than a game. And yet we hold on to him like, oh, this guy's a great backup. Don't worry. We're covered if our quarterback goes down. What's that? He went down? Okay. Colt, get in there. Wait, what's that? Colt's down? Yeah. He's got to go. Jay said on Sunday he wants to get P. Ryan carries in Week 16. Jesus, really? Not good. Rob Kelly, not good. I would cut Norman. He's due $23 million over the next two years. You would take the largest cap hit if you cut him pre-June 1 this coming off season. I don't care. I want to bury some cap money into this 2019 season, which is going to be another losing season. I'm sorry to say it. I would let Swearinger go. I would cut him. He's not on a huge contract, but you can't have guys that openly challenge coaches. If he stays and if Minuski goes, pff, good luck next year in that secondary room. Just make Swearinger the D coordinator while you're at it. Save some money. And I would get rid of Mason Foster because not only were those comments bad, if he would say those comments on Instagram, it means they're in his head. It means that's what he thinks. It means that's what he feels. I don't care if he plays hard and he's great and Jay swears by him. Those are not guys you win with. So you get rid of him as well. And yeah, you push off from shore with who knows. Maybe Josh Johnson. I know a lot of people saying Josh Johnson should be invited back next year. Okay, maybe. Uh, How can this guy not be employed by the NFL? He's played two games. (laughs) Two games against a bad Jacksonville team and a Titans team that, eh, he played a perfect game, almost a perfect. He played very well. He missed some throws, though. He missed Doxson streaking wide open for what would have been a big touchdown, 70-yard touchdown. He made some other overthrows. The the throw on the game ender might have been his fault. I'm not talking about the spread buster or the over-under buster. I'm talking about the game ender. It's a two-game sample. I, I refuse to believe that Josh Johnson is this great quarterback of the future at age 33 who is somehow not being properly looked at by the rest of the NFL. But then again, the Raiders did just pick up Nathan Peterman. Holy shit. When are people going to realize that guy sucks? That guy has zero future. Oh, and by the way, did you see what happened in uh, in Jacksonville with Cody Kessler? He got benched for Blake Bortles, and the Jaguars won. And that was Solly's lock of the week. He's like, absolutely, take the worst team you've ever seen, which was Jacksonville last week, and bet on them against the Dolphins. And he did. And they won, going away, getting four points. Kessler got benched. <laughs> The Jaguars at one point had it first and goal and ended up with a fourth and 46. Fourth and 46. Maybe not a first and goal. They were in the red zone. And they ended up with a fourth and 46. To which I said, well, with Cody Kessler, all things are possible. I guess maybe bring Josh Johnson back for training camp. I mean, that's fine. He could be on the roster next year. Again, next year is a year to lose. It's a year to lose and to reset. It's going to be a long, hard, ugly reset. Or at least it should be if you want to get out of it. If the Redskins think that they were close and just unlucky and that Alex is going to be fine, and if Alex is not fine, that Colt's going to be fine and close our eyes and click our heels three times and say, we were just unlucky. We were just unlucky. We were just unlucky. If they say that, 
I think they're headed for the exact same season next year, and they'll just be one year further down the road of going, okay, well, I guess we got to get better players. And that endeth my discussion on the Redskins today. About time. Hey, man, I'm a D.C. guy. This is my team. The season's about over. It was a big game. You going to talk about the Packers? Yeah, I'll talk about the Packers. I'll talk about Aaron Rodgers. I'll talk about the comeback. I'll talk about how stupid it was to play him, or at least how I think it was stupid to play him. I know some people are firmly entrenched the other way. Plus the rest of Week 16 in the NFL in rat-a-tat-tat fashion. One more segment, quick break to tell you about my friends at my bookie. Bowl season is here and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Don't be that guy with no rooting interest as your relatives or friends sit around watching the game. No, not this year. Not when there are a record 41 bowl games to bet on, including the national championship on Jan 7. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. Make sure you're ready for the daily action by signing up at MyBookie today. They pay fast when you win, ownership cares about good customer service, and they offer the craziest props. Where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. And if you want to make money during the bowl season, you got to go to MyBookie. I trust them, but you don't have to take my word for it. Check them out yourself. Join now and MyBookie will offer you a 50% deposit bonus to make sure you have the nice bankroll for the bowl season. Use promo code ZABE when you deposit and activate the offer. That's promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo. At MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, we're back for the final segment, plus one bourbon in me. Don't ask me which brand. I, I don't know which it is. It's uh, it's a scotch of some sorts. But it's uh, it's feeling good on a Sunday night. So I just watched the uh, Seahawks finish off the Chiefs, 38-31. And God dang, do I hate Seattle. But they're good. Sons of bitches, they're good. Russell Wilson is something else. I mean, you had two baseball players running around out there, both Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson, and just slinging it. And running and slinging and running and slinging. So yeah, the fucking rainy, the rainy city dirty bitch pigeons are back in the playoffs again. And I could do nothing but tip my cap and say, fucking good. What can I say? Rebuild, reload, restock, they're back. Fuck. You know, if somehow the earth opened up, you know, a massive earthquake and swallowed up all the the entire stadium with every 12 in it and that stupid fucking flag and every ex-Seahawk and the entire team, the stadium and the whole deal, Marshawn Lynch and all the Skittles. And if the last thing I saw was Pete Carroll with a panicked face chomping on his gum as the earth swallowed up and ate him whole. If he was the last thing I saw, it would still not be enough to satiate my my Seahawk hatred. But that said, they're fucking good, man. What can I say? They're in the playoffs once again. And they got guys like Doug Baldwin, who was a mouthy, yappy bitch. But goddamn, does he catch every pass that's thrown to him. Unbelievable. And I did tweet this out during the game. I said, you know, Chris Carson, seventh round draft pick. Two years ago, he's kicking ass now. He's their feature back. He missed a couple games with injury. In 12 games, he's over 1,000 yards. He's got eight touchdowns. Had a bomb game as well. I had him on my fantasy team, I know. And, uh, you know, the Redskins, meanwhile, drafted Samaj P. Ryan in the fourth round. P. Ryan has 25 yards this year. No touchdowns. Adrian Peterson has been authoring a masterpiece of a season at 33. And what did Jay Gruden say this weekend for the Redskins? Yeah, I want to get uh, Samaji some touches this week. Fuck him. Cut him. He's no good. This is my team clinging to a fourth rounder. Because, oh, yeah, we spent a mid-round pick on him. He's supposed to be good. He was good in college. He's not good on Sunday. Give it up. Move on. Okay. Rant over. Feeling better. So the Seahawks have clinched. Here is the playoff picture as I understand it. And I use that as a caveat because, let's be honest, we all misunderstand things from time to time. And I get some things wrong. And 
I think I've got a good picture on it. Uh, by the way, I went to the NFL.com website to get a bead on, okay, where are we at now? Game just ended. I figured the NFL.com would update their web. No, no, no. It's Consuela is mopping up at the NFL.com website headquarters. No, 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 nobody home. Don't know who won Seahawks game. No, no, no. So they were useless. I found this CBS Sports breakdown of what it, it is most likely going to be. The Chiefs are 11 and 3, actually 11 and 4 now. And they are the only team that can get to 12 in the AFC. And they are almost certain to get to 12 because they play the Raiders at home. So there's no way the Raiders beat the Chiefs at Kansas City. The Chiefs are the one seed, even with the loss last night. The two seed in the bye is going to go to the Patriots because they play the Jets at home. And even though the Patriots did not look good on Sunday, they're not losing to the Jets at home in Week 17. Meanwhile, the Texans have the Jaguars at home. They're not losing to them. So the Texans will go to 11 just in case something weird happens in New England and the Patriots lose, which they won't, so the Texans will be the third seed. The Chargers can get to 12, and the the Chiefs could theoretically lose, but the Chargers are hosting the, let's see, who are they hosting this weekend? Oh, I had this handy. Son of a bitch. Hold on a second. The Chargers could theoretically get to 12, and if the Chiefs get struck by a meteor and lose to the Raiders, uh, then they would lose the number one seed because the Chargers would be that one seed at 12. The Chargers, though, are at Denver. Very losable game. And like I said, the Chiefs are not losing at home to the Raiders, so that's not going to happen. The juicy game is the Cleveland Browns with Baker Mayfield and Greg Williams against the Ravens in Baltimore. The Art Modell Bowl 2 for 2018. That's a danger game for the Ravens. That's Baker Mayfield versus Lamar Jackson. That is juicy. Losable game for Baltimore. It would knock them out of the playoffs because the only way they could get in, or at least the only way the Steelers could get in, is if the, the Colts and the Titans tie. The Colts and the Titans would be an essential play-in game if, uh, you know, uh, well, actually, at nine wins, let's see here. Uh, see, I thought I had a beat on this, but I don't. Okay, if the Ravens lose to the Browns and the Steelers beat the Bengals at home, the Steelers win the division and they're in. And the Colts-Titans winner goes to 10 wins, bumping out the Ravens for the second straight year in horrific fashion in Week 17. I don't quite see that happening either. But the hinge game in the AFC is going to be Browns at Ravens, and I cannot fucking wait to watch that game, which is hard to believe because normally that is like one of the worst games you could possibly have. The Steelers are likely screwed they would have to count on if they don't win uh, a tie or, or or if they win and they, the Ravens don't lose, they would have to count on a tie between the Titans and the Colts. <laughs> Probably not going to happen. In the NFC, the Saints have clinched the first seed by way of their win to get the 13 wins. Uh, the Rams could get the 13 next week, but it doesn't matter. They've lost the head-to-head against the Saints, so that is locked in. The Bears could get to 12 if the Rams lose and the Bears hold the head-to-head against the Rams by virtue of their win. The Rams are at home to the Niners. That is a theoretically losable game. Although the Niners are much better at home than they are at the road, on the road. Hard to believe I'd see the Rams lose to lose a bye and the number two overall seed. The Vikings have got to beat the Bears to get in for the most part. Unless Philadelphia loses to my lame duck Redskins, then they would back, back, back it on in. I think Philly's going to beat my Redskins, but you never know. And the Bears can move up 
into the two seed if they win. So they've got motivation, but they're going to need the Rams to help them out by losing that game so they can climb up at 12. Uh, the Seahawks as a wild card are locked in. The Cowboys at 9-6 and six division winning. They are locked in as well. So it really comes down to Philly needs to win and hope the Vikings lose. And the Bears need to win and hope the Rams lose. Otherwise, it's all locked in. Now, Week 17 has a weird schedule in that you've got you know a bunch of games that the NFL has tried to bunch together for competitive purposes. So as of my last count, or at least if you believe the NFL.com website, which who knows if it's updated right now, probably isn't, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one o'clock games, eight, four, twenty-five games, and the Sunday nighter Colts Titans has been flexed to Sunday night. I think that's a mistake. I wish they would have flexed the Ravens and the Browns to seven o'clock to, to prime time, but that game is scheduled to go at four twenty-five. The rare seven eight one lineup of games, if you are a regular listener to You Are Looking Live. That is not a normal configuration, but it's week 17 where there's no Thursday and there's no Monday night game, and the NFL tries to bunch them together. All the ones that matter are bunched together. All the fours that matter are bunched together, and you don't even stagger them because, well, they want everyone to play at the same time, which I think is how they do it in the English Premier League. I'm not sure. Let's go through some of the games quickly, and then we'll get out of here today. From Sunday, Cleveland beat Cincinnati 26-18. to Jarvis Landry had a touchdown pass on a flea flicker, although I don't think it was a touchdown, but it was a beautiful long pass that was better than a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. Cleveland blew a 23-0 lead to not cover the spread of 8.5. They win by 8, 26-18. Uh, Rashad Higgins had a silly touchdown where he dove for the pylon like a bird and just tipped the football in there. Baker Mayfield was the story here. He not only did a big dick dance or a nuts out dance on the sideline, which I'm not a fan of because, really, what are you, 10 years old? Uh, But he also apparently taunted Hugh Jackson with a deep stare that lasted like 15 seconds long after a big play down the sideline. There are people who love this about Baker Mayfield, and I'm not going to try to persuade you otherwise. This is the kind of thing that, as the old saying goes, if you like that sort of thing, then this is the sort of thing you like. I think this is beneath Baker Mayfield. It should be at least. Hugh Jackson is a nobody, okay? Yeah, the stat is amazing. Like he, The Bengals were 5-3 and three when they hired him. They're 1-6 and six since. The Browns were, I forget what record they were, when they fired Hugh, 2-5, and five, and they're like 5-3 and three since. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. It's enough already. You already kind of snubbed him on the handshake. He is insignificant. Yes, Hugh Jackson should have never had you sitting on the bench to start the year. That was the dumbest thing ever. But you, I don't, I don't want to say you got to let it go. I would let it go. It's not a good look, I think, for you. But there are people who say they love it, and they're going to say, yeah, Baker Mayfield, he's my favorite quarterback. Cowboys win the division. They beat the Buccaneers 27-20. I think that was right on the number, as a matter of fact, minus seven. Cowboys were in control this game late. Uh, Dak Prescott, only 161 yards passing. Buddy ran for a touchdown. Jameis, 336 yards on 34 of 48. Zeke had a big game, 18 for 85. Cowboys and Jera says they'll play as hard as they can in week number 17. They want to go into the postseason with some mojo, some momentum. We'll see about that. I'd be surprised if the starters played more than a half, but okay, maybe they'll play the whole game. Vikings beat the Lions 27-9. to Stefan Diggs had his first drop of the year in this game early on. Vikings were very so- slow starting. In fact, they were down 9-0, and then they started to rally. Scored a touchdown to make it 9-7, and then Kirk Cousins with a Hail Mary at the end of the first half to Cal Rudolph, which was a thing of beauty. He was 21 of 28, 253 yards, three touchdown passes, no INTs. He now has 4,166 yards on the season with a week to go. He's at 71% completions, and he still sucks, according to most people. But you know what? Now, Kirk, you have to win this game at home. You have to beat this Bears team at home, which is going to be a tall task. Very good defense, and the Bears are likely going to be playing uh, 
in the hopes that they can steal that second seed from the Rams. So the work continues for Kirk Cousins. Eagles beat the Texans 32-30. Back and forth game. Nick Foles, big dick Nick with the bombs. This guy throws a great deep ball, and Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar and Golden Tate to a lesser extent, they just go get him. Zach Ertz went nuts in the game. It was great to own him in fantasy this year. Thank you, Zach. I owe you at least a cut of my 800 bucks for winning the league. 113 catches on the year. That's the new record for a tight end in the NFL. He's got one week to go. And, of course, they play my Redskins this weekend. He should add another 10 or 11. Easy. Deshaun Watson in this game had the escape of the year on what should have been a back-breaking third and 15 sack. Instead, it put the Texans in front. They couldn't hold on, though, and the Eagles are still alive for next week. Atlanta over Carolina, 24-10. The only thing notable of this game is that Taylor Heineke, this kid is like, he looks like he's 15, and he's the smallest-looking quarterback I've ever seen play in the NFL. Fast. Also got hurt in the game, banged up his left elbow, came back in with a big brace, threw the ball like 55 times, had three picks. Uh, the big headline from this game was Chris Bosher uh, for the Falcons with the body slam of the year for a punter on a punt return. It was beautiful. The Rams kill the Cardinals 31-9. to C.J. Anderson, remember him, former Bronco, 20 carries, a buck 67. He was signed on Monday. This was of great consternation to all of Paul Charchian's followers. Charchar boy advised people, start John Kelly, start John Kelly. John Kelly's going to get the bulk of the work. John Kelly had 10 carries for 40 yards. C.J. Anderson had 20 for a buck 67. Poor Charch was getting killed. Uh, Josh Rosen stunk. 12 of 23, 87 yards was pulled from the game. I'm not going to say he's a bust just yet, but this has not been the rookie year that he was hoping for. Saints and Steelers. Okay, here we go. 31-28, your final. I'm sure you watched it. It was the featured 425 game. The NFL got exactly what they wanted on this one. couple of things. The P.I. on Joe Hayden was a good call. If you watch, you can see Michael Thomas's body completely turned around just a split second before Hayden releases. Also, the ball was tipped. Understood. But all that contact, all that backside grabbing occurred within five yards. So even though I think it was technically called on the field uh, pass interference, it was essentially holding within five yards or illegal contact. It was a good call. The pass interference, though, earlier in the game against uh, on the Alvin Kamara pass play near the goal line, atrocious, atrocious, to which people are going to say, why isn't pass interference reviewable? couple reasons. One, even in, in slow motion, it's going to be a point of complete debate that is never going to satisfy fans. And number two, coaches will run out of challenges. They will use up their two challenges in the first half every single game if you could review that stuff. So... There you go on that. The fake punt was stupid, uh, and the celebration uh, by the guy for the Steelers who thought he had it was stupid. Uh, Juju's fumble was heartbreaking. I love that kid. He's a great player. He apparently doesn't fumble hardly at all. He did here. Terrible time to do it. And people are going to blame Mike Tomlin for this, but okay. I'm not going to argue with Steeler Nation. Steeler Nation's fed up with Mike Tomlin. A lot of things went against the Steelers this year including the running back collapse, including misplaying the handling of Le'Veon Bell, including not expecting Le'Veon Bell to do something completely insane. I'm not defending Mike Tomlin. I'm just saying, okay, you had two really tough games prop, crop up where you had to win them or at least win both of them in a competitive AFC, and things didn't go your way. You had two fumbles inside the red zone today. Is that Mike Tomlin's fault? I, I'm just saying. I'm not defending him. I'm just saying. Colts rallied to beat the Giants 28-27. They're down 14-0 at half. Saquon Barkley was kept in check for the most part. 21 carries for just 43 yards. T.Y. Hilton was phenomenal. 7 for a buck 38. As the Colts have rallied from 1-5, a 1-5 start, to get to 9 wins, they could play their way in with a win against the Titans this coming week. Bears beat the Niners 14-9. 
That was almost right on the number. Bears were minus four across the board. Trubisky only missed four throws all game, 25 of 29, 287 and a touchdown. He got hit late. It started a brawl. What I saw in the hit was the Niner defender closing hard and seeing at the last minute, oh, my God, I've got to pull up. And so he pulled his hands in the air, and he kind of you know, smothered Trubisky with his chest. I didn't think it was the dirtiest hit I've ever seen. It, of course, ended up in a brawl that took about forever to sort out the penalties. Um, the Niners only ran for 47 yards against the Bears' defense. Obviously, the Vikings want to run it against the Bears. Good luck on that. Kirk's going to have to win that game with his arm. The Patriots beat the Bills 24-12. to Brady was terrible again. Only 125 yards, two INTs. One of those was a tip ball through the hands of Gronk. But, I mean, the Pats are wheezing wheezing across the finish line here. And you just got to wonder how formidable will they be in the postseason, even if they have a bye, even if they are the two-seed at home. Tough to say. And, of course, the the line was 12-and-a-half. Bill scored a late touchdown, meaningless, uh, with about a minute and a half to go. That totally screwed up the spread. Funny how these odds makers are almost always right on the number. And that brings us to the great character-building game of 2018. The Packers rally to beat the Jets in overtime. 44-38. to 38. What leadership by Aaron Rodgers. 37 of 55, 4, 42, two touchdowns, no INTs, a rushing touchdown where he stuck the ball over the goal line. Devontae Adams had a big game, 11 for 71 and a touchdown. The Packers are down 35 to 20 with 11.45 left in the game. Now let me just say this about Rodgers playing. I'm on record on Twitter and elsewhere as this is the stupidest fucking thing I have ever seen. And the rationale and the fake tough guyism about Rodgers playing is even stupider. He needs to show he's a leader. He can't expect his voice to be heard in that locker room if he's not out there playing this meaningless game against the New York Jets on the road in December. Really? Since when did Aaron Rodgers become such a pariah in the Packer locker room with fellow Packer players, with the organization? When did this fucking happen? This guy has played through any number of injuries. Do you not remember the hobbled ankle that he limped through in the playoffs in 2000 and was it 15 now? The years fly by. The Seahawks year. The Seahawks game with Aaron Rodgers on one leg was one of his great masterpieces wasted by that coward, that incompetent Mike McCarthy. Do people not remember that? Why if Rodgers has played on an injury like that? Why if Rodgers has played through an injury all year after the Bears game to open the season? Why does he now have to go out and prove anything to anybody? This is the dumbest fucking narrative I've ever heard. And yet there are people that buy into it. I see him on Twitter. And you know what? I will never understand how you think. I'm sorry. I, I won't understand it. And I won't try to I won't fight it. I won't try to convince you otherwise. I just won't. I can't. It's just the craziest thing to me that he somehow needs to prove anything. Well, you know, what are you going to do? Sit him? It's a tough game. You're going to sit everybody? Okay, here's what I'd do. Just for the record, once and for all, so we're all clear on this. If I owned a team, I would tell my coach, Coach, I want you to treat every game that does not have an impact on the playoffs because that's all this is about. You can't win the Super Bowl if you don't make the playoffs. Every game we play, every regulation game we play that has no meaning towards the playoffs, I want you to think really hard about playing our most valuable assets, specifically our quarterback who is 33 and has had a broken collarbone, a bad ankle, a bad knee, a groin, concussions. You know, the guy that we have forked over a hundred and I don't know what the number is. Well over $100 million for. I want you to think real hard and long and hard about playing him because 
We don't play exhibition games with our best guys. Not in a violent game where guys can break their legs and then never play again. Not going to do it. Not going to prove tough guy to anybody. And if that game is in August, which there will be next year, I want you to treat it as a meaningless game, which means only play your most important guys enough so that you're comfortable they're ready to play once the real bullets start flying. And if those games are meaningless come December, then I want you to think the exact same thing. Every irreplaceable unicorn on your roster, Coach, you need to think long and hard about. Guess what? There's really only one unicorn on the roster. It's Rodgers. Now, if I was an owner of a team like the Giants, and let's say Saquon Barkley, who was a high pick, and running back, they take a lot of damage, and he wasn't 100%, I'd think, yeah, I, I might tell the coach to sit him too. And don't leave it up to the players either. You tell them you're deactivated. The Vikings blew out Adrian Peterson's knee in Week 17 in a meaningless game at the Redskins. Dumbest fucking thing ever. Why coaches and why fan bases think this is going to carry over? Let me tell you, nothing carries over. This win against the Jets, this great comeback, feel-good win, it won't make it to February. The gulf between this year and next year is so big, you forget everything that happened last year. It won't matter. So, yeah, keep playing Rodgers. Cross your fingers. Hope he doesn't break. And maybe uh, you get a big win. Big win to help hurt your draft position even more. I'm not advocating teams tank for a few spots. (laughs) Excuse me, that's the bourbon talking. The Packers moved up like four spots. Do I sound like Dudley Moore? I'm just getting worked up. I'm just talking, talking, talking. I don't don't have a co-host tonight to work with me. I don't have commercial breaks. What about the ones from my book? Shut up. Okay, I've had two commercial breaks. Maybe you'll get a big win, Packer fans, next week to help further hurt your first-round position. Maybe you'll have a player you really, really covet. Lions come to town. You should beat those guys. Maybe there'll be a player you really covet in the first round at a position you need badly. And maybe you're just out of reach of that guy. What are you going to do? Are you going to spend some more assets to move up six spots? Oh, I hope not. But you played Aaron Rodgers those final two games, and you won the games. And you said to yourself, that shows the leadership. That's a leader right there, number 12. I didn't think he had it in him until now. But boy, oh boy, there's a leader for you. Okay. Whatever. We'll end on this today. There was an incident at the end of the Redskins-Titans game that involved Taylor Luan, lineman uh, for the Tennessee Titans, and Josh Norman. DB for the Redskins. Taylor Luan believed that Norman was trying to hurt their star running back Derrick Henry at the end of some runs during the game itself. And so Luan came over to the Redskins bench area where Norman was sitting alone, sulking, um, just on the bench by himself. And Luan made sure to point at him and do his patented bow and arrow shooting celebration. Norman saw it, got pissed off, got up, threw his helmet at Luan, came right up into Luan's face, who was pointing at him, knocked his arm to the side. <laughs> Taylor Luan, who was like 6'7", 330, didn't even flinch. And Norman ended up having to be restrained by other teammates and coaches. I think there was a trainer that came by. Not like he would have done anything. Because even though, you know, DBs, we look at that. I mean, pro football players, they're all fucking tough. They play an insane sport for a living. But a DB is like, it's like a cheetah. And you see video, you see film of cheetahs in the wild, and they're, they're very fast, and they do have claws, they do have teeth, and they, they, they chase down, and they grab an antelope, and they bite its neck, and you're like, oh, cheetah. You ever seen a cheetah attack a hippo? They don't. But if you did, that's what it would look like. It would look like uh, Josh Norman attacking Taylor Luan. Yeah, it's kind of Bush League by Taylor Luan, but this is what happens. You you dish it out, you better be ready to take it. And so, what can I say? Sorry, Josh. 
Sorry Taylor was doing that to you, but goes around, comes around. I'm generally a fan of act like a pro. I know that makes me sound like an old, stodgy dude. Just act like a pro. That's why I'm not a fan of Baker Mayfield just carrying on this insane feud over a nobody coach in Hugh Jackson. Let it go already and just act like a pro. That will finally do it for me today. I looked up at the the timer and I'm like, Jesus, I've rattled on forever. Must be the bourbon talking. Thank you so much for listening. Have yourself a merry little Christmas, whether you're 1 to 55 or 1 to 99, whatever the song goes like. It's my favorite holiday of the year for a lot of different reasons. No matter how old I am, it is just the best. Download, subscribe. I'm here all week because uh, why not, right? I'll have a special Christmas podcast tomorrow. I think you will like it. Tell a couple of friends. Get the ZabeCast app. You'll enjoy that as well. Sign up for Football Five Ways Friday, Zabe.com slash premium. We'll re- roll the premium over into the new year with new premium content. So don't go anywhere. More good stuff coming, maybe even better than our Friday football show. Thanks for listening. Go get that last-minute shopping done, and we will see you next time.